1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: Hello and thank you for downloading today's Talking City podcast. Just a reminder of our first ever Talking City live podcast and quiz night for Manchester City fans, which takes place next week on Thursday the 13th of December at the National Football Museum in Manchester. City icons Sean Goethe and Dennis Stewart will be joined by our very own Stuart Brennan and Simon Bykowski, as well as... City podcast regular Ian Cheeseman in an event hosted by Sky Sports reporter James Cooper as they talk all things City and there will be an opportunity for you to ask your own questions to the panel and talk about one of the greatest football teams in the world. We'll also be putting your questions about all things City to the panel but that's not all. We'll also be holding a Man City quiz to find out who is the Blues superfan on the night. Entry to the venue will be via Cafe Football next door where you can grab your token for your free drink. Cafe Football will also have an exclusive deal on the evening offering guests a burger and a pint for just £10 to enjoy in the cafe or take through to the live podcast. It'll be a brilliant night, so be sure to book early to get your places as spaces are limited. You can do so via Eventbrite. Tickets are £5 each. Thank you very much and we hope to see you there. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Talking City podcast for the Manchester Evening News. I am joined, as always, by Stu Brennan. Hello there. And I'm joined. This the first time we've been together on the podcast, Tyrone. It is. It's it nice is. to have you here. How, how are you finding the, the podcast life?
2: Uh I've only done one so far and it was uh we've well, been invited back. I've been invited always, back, so I must have done okay. There's always There was nobody else though, to be fair. Yeah. true. We were, yeah. yeah, it was me or A bit the of squad
0: uh, rotation, wasn't it, for the the League <laughs> Cup of podcasts. That's it. But that's it. Back I'm, in
2: for the big Premier League fixture now. That's it. I'm actually my way towards the first team. So <laughs> You're getting there, we're
0: under the stewardship of one of the podcast greats. One of the legends of the MEN.
1: Podcast, yep.
0: <laughs> And you two both had the pleasure, was it a pleasure, of going down to Hounslow, watching City win at Watford? A uh, 2-1 win, a game that you both said was quite comfortable, but uh, got quite nervy towards the end.
1: Yeah, it did. Um, we were talking about that this morning. Um, and although... I mean, City was so much in control. You know, they did what they always do. They dominated the ball. They, they, had, they had all the possession. They scored. They scored again. Uh, and it, it, it looked simple. They, they then had a load of chances. And uh, Gabriel Jesus missed two or three really good chances. Uh, they were sloppy in defence. Fabian Delft gave the ball away. Watford pull one back and then it was all hands to the pump you know he had the, uh, the indignity of uh, Emirate Laporte coming on to replace Gabriel Jesus uh, and Edison getting booked for time wasting that kind of thing but having said that I thought I thought City defended really well at 2-1 I don't think they gave they, I think they gave away one chance and D, Dini's header was straight at straight at Edison so I, I don't it wasn't like they were, they were scrambling around and and clinging on which which seems to be uh, seems to have been said in some quarters. Uh, and I think that's where they've improved. You know, even from last season, uh, they didn't always look convincing defensively. But I thought they did look good defensively, even at two one. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was still a still a reasonably comfortable win, I would say.
0: Yeah, Tyron do you echo that? That when it went to two one, you never really felt what if we were going to get a point from it, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> Or was hindsight a useful thing, a useful tool?
2: In this yeah, like I think um, they, they did defend it very well, and they didn't give away many chances. But they were under a lot of pressure. There was a couple of corners that Ben Foster came up for, and you know, you never really know what's going to happen in in those moments. I mean, had they conceded, they didn't they didn't give away chances. They didn't look like conceding, but had they conceded, they would have been. I mean, they'd have been wondering for the rest of time how they didn't win that game because they were so in control at 2-0. It was almost too easy for them at 2-0. It just looked them out of time until they got the third. And, you know, to end the game, how they did on the ropes defensively, uh, you know, it was unnecessary probably. And there had been signs before that goal for maybe five, six minutes that they had just sort of, you know, they took the foot off the gas, they eased up a little bit and you could see Guardiola on the touchline sort of waving his arms and, and trying to inject some life back into his team. They gave the ball away on a few occasions and Delft gave it away into that goal. So, you know, they did switch off a little bit. The goal woke them back up and, and they did defend it very well. But, you know, I, I don't think that they didn't need to put themselves in that position, let's put it that way.
1: Yeah. It was a little bit of a warning really because I remember last season I, I wrote a piece saying that when City dropped points in the league, it was almost always... Well, it was always because they messed up. Complacency. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't because mistakes. other teams had come out and and, and were, were better than them. It's because they made mistakes. Principally, the mistakes being not finishing the chances. They always make chances during a game. Uh, I mean, the, last season they drew at Burnley and that was down to Raheem Sterling missing an open goal and two or three other chances not going in. If those go in... Uh, Burnley's equaliser, as was, becomes irrelevant. um So, and and that was a little bit of a warning the other night. I think that if you don't put your chances away, and somebody grabs a goal, you know, you are you are sort of leaving yourself vulnerable. And uh, it was probably a warning more for Gabriel Jesus than anybody because he was he was a guilty party. uh You know, that at least two chances you should have buried. Um, and he's he's got to he's got to start stepping out. When Aguero's not there, they, they're not quite as lethal.
0: Yeah, it offers a couple of strands of conversation. I guess we will go down the Jesus route for now. While we're on it, um, it maybe was a concerning display in front of goal in terms of chances taken, but encouraging play as we always get with De Jesus off the ball, bringing others into the game, mm-hmm. sort of stretching the defense. But ultimately, you're a striker. You're always going to be judged on the goals you score. Do you think there is a concern maybe with his recent? Like a, l- a, form
2: a little bit I mean he did get that hat-trick against Shaq but at the moment that's sort of the outlier in, yeah. in other games he's he's looked perhaps a little short of confidence I mean he's helped I think by the fact that there's there's so many goals coming from out wide in the wingers at the moment that you know if he can just link the play then he's almost doing the role he, he's partly in the team four, and he said he did set his goal up it was some really good play won the ball back well Um but yeah, he looks a little bit short of confidence. He went through in the second half and, and put a good chance wide. And there was um, there was one incident during the game where Ben Foster came out for a long ball and Jesus beat him to it, turned. And you just felt that a year or two ago, he'd probably turned and hit it first time and, and just tried to catch the keeper out. And he took an extra touch and he tried to lay it off. And it, it looks like it's just a little bit of a confidence thing at the moment. And, and perhaps when he does get a goal in the Premier League, then, you know, you, you'll find goals will follow. But... Yeah, you know, I don't think there's any major pressure on him at the moment because the the wide players are scoring so many goals that you know if the centre forward can just link the play and maybe drop deep and, and get those guys in, then you know that that's
1: part of his role and, and he's doing well with
0: that. Yeah,
1: I think the other aspect is people forget how young he is. I think you yeah. get that with young players. Young players never. Never go on a steep upward curve in terms of the progress. They always have plateaus. I think he's having a plateau at the moment, um, and I don't think I don't think there's a problem there. I think he'll uh, he'll get one sooner or later, and he'll he'll snap out of it, and we'll see the kind of scoring runs that we've we've seen from him in the last two seasons. Um, well, he is, I mean, he's Brazil's number nine, isn't he? He
0: is he Brazil's was number cup, nine. i mean got to remember that. It's...
1: Everyone's raving about Leroy Sane now, you know, comparing him to gigs and 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 quite rightly saying how, how good he is right now. He, he's absolutely on fire. But six weeks ago, we were talking about Sane in the same same kind of terms. You yeah. know, what's happened? He's, he's gone a bit flat. He was being left out of the team. He'd been dropped by Germany uh, in a way that Gabriel Jesus has been left out by Brazil once or twice. Um, but these managers know what they're doing, you know, you, you, you don't, you don't flog it with him. You, you, Aguero's been in great form, so he's, he's been left out of the team, his confidence has suffered a little bit. You've got to remember, when he first came here, uh, to City, he, um, he was, uh, he, he displaced Aguero from the team, he pushed Aguero out of the team, and that that was as much to give Aguero a kick in the pants, as it was to sort of, yeah. welcome him to the club, and give him, a, give him a go at it. But, um, you know, so right from the start, he was on a big high. You know, he he moved the Argentina striker out of the way and was was in the team, even even though he was still a tender tender of tender years. Uh, and he knew Aguero was a, a major, like a, a legend at the club, really. So that that's gonna fill you full of confidence. So he, he hit the floor running when he came to City. Um, he, he, and he's just he's had setbacks since then. He's had injuries. Yeah. Um, Aguero has come back strongly and shown us what a great player he is. And so Jesus has then had to start dealing with these things, dealing with his injuries. He'd never had had, had a serious injury before before that one shortly into his City career. Uh, so he's had to deal with that. He's had to deal with the fact that Aguero has been made number one again. Um, he, he, he's coming to terms with it. It's affected his confidence. But as I say, sooner or later, you, you can imagine him going to Chelsea, scoring.
0: Um, and then, we forget about uh, it we forget about it it's yeah. all
1: done it's all in the past because that's, that's the way, <clears throat> way football works
0: yeah I guess that, uh, another point of that is the festive period the fixture congestion he's always going to be getting more chances maybe in the first team mm. now um, uh, but I guess going back to the, the earlier point you talked about maybe the complacency could, could cost City maybe a win or maybe even worse over the, the festive period do you think there is any any worry Tyrone of, of City dropping points in the coming I know hindsight's going to be lovely again these bits can get clipped and mm, other fans will say yeah. how wrong you were. But that game against Watford, do you think that is a, maybe
2: a warning sign for City? Or Yeah, I think probably I think it's been spells in the last two that are, that are probably things for Guardiola to work on and may even help in the long run in, in yeah. terms of eradicating it. Because against Bournemouth, there was a 15-minute, 20-minute spell before half-time where they just kind of switched off and, and let Bournemouth back in. Same on Tuesday night. So, you know, at, at the moment, it, it's those sort of spells that, letting the opposition have success against City. If City were in, you know, City could have been in control of that game for 90 minutes on Tuesday, but just had a little lapse and it it gives the opposition hope. So on both occasions, Guardiola has spoken about learning from it and how he wants his team to learn from it. And, you know, if it happens in games where you win and you learn from it, then it's a perfect scenario really, because, You know, he's going to make sure that his team doesn't switch off in future. And, you know, games such as this weekend away at Chelsea, they can't afford to have a spell like that. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it'd be more competitive and they won't have a spell like that. But it might be ideal that it's come in these games and it is something they can learn from and, you know, something they can try and eradicate from their game.
0: Yeah, it's also worth pointing out that Bournemouth and Watford have been two of the surprise packages this season. They've both played really well. They've both got big results against other big teams. So it's not really too much of a concern um, again looking onto a bigger issue maybe that some City fans and no City fans tend to be maybe a pessimistic bunch but and I know people like to shoot down records and stats and things but the prospect of an unbeaten season will always remain <laughs> while you've not lost a game I remember we talked about a lot last season I think you and Cheesy both said Stu probably, they will lose a game and it doesn't matter anyway they still got the highest points total ever in an English top flight season but can Manchester City go this Premier League season unbeaten?
1: No. No, I don't think so. I think Arsenal doing it was a bit of a freak. Uh, you look at the number of games that they drew at Arsenal when they, when they did it. Um, I, I just don't see it happening ever again. Uh, certainly while the Premier League is, is as it is. I mean, City are the best team in the Premier League. and There's only Liverpool who are keeping pace with them. But I think when you're going for Champions League and you're involved in the other competitions as well, City have got a deep squad, but they've not got... Uh, uh, it's not It's not fathomless. It's. it's there are limits to it. Uh, and you, you look at some of the issues. If, if they lose Fernandinho, which they will do at some point this season, whether it's through injury or fatigue or suspension... Um, that is when that is when they they're going to start hitting the buffers all kinds of things are going to going to go wrong if every if, all things being equal if they avoided all the problems they've got a chance i would say but that never happens you know it, it, it isn't going to happen uh and if somebody throws this back at me in six months' time uh, when they've just achieved it, well, <coughs> well fair enough. But uh, if you're asking me straight out, no, not a chance. Tyrone, do you echo that opinion or are you feeling a bit more optimistic I, about this city side? I, I wouldn't rule it out. I think it's got a chance.
2: Um, I, I think this weekend is is big for it. You know, once if they come away from Stamford Bridge having not been beaten, then, you know, they've been to Tottenham, they've been to Arsenal, they've been to Liverpool, they've been to Chelsea. And avoided defeat so the fixture list is on their side if they come away this weekend you know in terms of big away games left you've got united and bournemouth yeah isn't. you have
1: did he just say united yeah. well
2: <laughs> you know it's derby day but yeah if you play united away at the end of this week you'd be pretty confident city yeah. would get the job done so you know we don't know what sort of state they're going to be in in march but at the moment you'd uh you'd fancy city for that one so all you've yeah. and it's i mean it's Again, this is probably going to be clipped up and, and replayed to me at some point. But at the moment, it's very difficult to see how City lose to a non-traditional top six team, should we say? Because they are just so so dominant in those games. It's hard to see how they lose. So really, you're looking at Tottenham, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal being the sides capable of beating City. They've got if they get you know if they come through this weekend, they've got them all to play at home. You know they're not they, they did lose at home last season to United. it's an absolute freak of a game Um, the two games they lost last season they've already played this year and come through unbeaten so you know like she says it is very difficult to go unbeaten through a a top flight season I think it's happened twice in history so that shows how difficult it is once with Arsenal and then once with Preston in the 19th century so you know it shows what huge huge task it is but if they come away this weekend having got something at Chelsea then the fixtures are in their favour and it's you know, it, it's got a it's got a possibility. I think, yeah.
0: Well, that's a slightly more optimistic answer. There's some city fans, I wonder what side they'll be on. I guess a, <laughs> a, a different question. Then. Do you think this city seems a bit a uh, bit better? better? than the
1: Arsenal Invincibles? You're talking about the City fans. The City fans are celebrating the fact they're safe from relegation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Having top for As we points. said last season, yes. it was
0: only stoke away when City fans started to sing yeah, they're yeah, going to win the league, it was. which was like 18 points clear with <laughs> yeah. two months left. That was the only point they sort of caved in. But the yeah. City side, do you think they are better than the Arsenal Invincibles? Do you think they'd win if they were to play yeah, this weekend? I th- I, yeah,
1: I do. I think they are better. I think, it, I think the achievement uh, of last season was better because football's about winning. And as I say, Ars- I think the Arsenal Invincibles, um, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not taking away from it. They were a great team, and that achievement was as busy men's. Um, but you know, football's about winning, and the fact that the fact that City won all but well, was it four of the games? Yeah, some mm-hmm. four, something yeah. like that last season. And it, to me, if you if you. It, the, the, they would have finished if if they'd been in the same league table. City would have been about what, nine, ten points clear of the Invincibles. So that 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 sets the scene. They wouldn't have been Invincible
0: me. if they were playing City that season. Probably, well,
1: perhaps not, but but they might have got a draw out of it. But the the, the fact that that City piled up. Nine or ten points more than Arsenal. Mm-hmm. They scored far more goals than Arsenal. Did. The goal difference was vastly better than the Invincibles was. All those things come into it. And for me, you know, drawing drawing games is not what football's about. If you can if you can do it, and it helps you win the title, fair enough. But. If you, if you, when it comes to evaluating how effective a team is, a team that wins almost all of its games during a season is a better, better than one that, that doesn't get beat in that season.
0: All about winning the results business with Stu Brennan, Tyrone. Is it the same with you?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was it was a phenomenal achievement by Arsenal. They they, they did draw a lot of games, and, and like you say, you can't argue with the fact that City scored more goals, got more points. Um, I think it'd be fascinating to see the two teams. Play each other. I don't think there's there's many teams like that Arsenal side in the Premier League now. The the power they had down the middle, you know, was absolutely mm. incredible. I think it would be a hell of a game if the two teams did play each other. Um, but yeah, City have you know City have taken that that to another level. The football that Arsenal played then, I think City have taken it to another level with the way they just completely eviscerate teams. Really, you know, home and away, any team sort of seventh, eighth downwards they're just thrashing at the moment and, like and it's you said, the same it, every week it, it, on the
0: contrary to where one of those games against a team 7 or 8 down could be maybe a draw thing, a mm. if they get complacent if all clicks one day it could be a new Premier League goal record for a single game because some of the games we've seen this season the way that they do just create chances mm. at ease and if every player was having maybe a top day in front of goal and
2: were clinical you wouldn't be surprised if he hit 10 goals in a game this season no well I mean that it's a It's a big, it's a big ask, but yeah, they do. They create a lot of chances, and they are, you know, when they click going forward against those teams, they are absolutely sensational. Um, And they click, they click most weeks. They do miss, you know, they're they're missing chances at the moment, which is a concern. But even missing chances, they scored three against Bournemouth. They got two at Watford. They should have had more. You know they're still Even scoring. Even
0: United, they only got three.
2: Yeah, they got <laughs> five or six. Exactly. I? They could have had more. I think. Um, you know, fifteen games, forty-five goals. You know, you don't need a Mate level to work out that that's that's three a game. And you know, I mean, that is absolutely fantastic form in front of goal.
0: Oh. I almost got a Maths A level. <laughs> <laughs> almost. I
2: had to drop out of it from the
0: first week. I dropped. I failed the GCSE. Uh, the first week worth of exams, we had to do a refresher course, and I got three E's. Yeah. And then I was told drop maths and do English I'm not sure now look at me you still
1: don't, don't <laughs> you pass don't English. struggle with your expenses though do you that's for sure <laughs> I'll, I'll, but getting back to that I mean I'll, I'll tell you why I don't think that will happen I don't why I don't think City will hit big figures because we've seen it in recent games when they get the noses in front they don't go for it they don't they go don't think the juggler, we've scored yeah. three or four they might they might score one or two yeah. more but they're not they're not going all out And it seems to me the reason is that they get their rest in games. People talk about when they're going to rest, they have like two games a week. They'll get three goals in front and then just sit back a little bit, knock the ball around, Mm. not not bust a gut, not go out and try and score more and more goals. they get their rest in games they take players off as well yeah. um, so it's not like they're thinking hey you know United beat it switch 9-0 we could beat that mm. we could beat it. They, they just sort of right we've got this, this game won we've got it sold up of course the danger is it happens like it happened at Watford where you you, you get, don't yeah. sell the game up um, and that can be a problem but uh, they're not in that mentality of thinking yeah let's score again let's go again I mean it might happen when, when, when the fixtures ease off a little bit towards the end of the season but then, then you've got other issues, fatigue coming into it, and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, and uh, hopefully they will still be looking at the Champions League and sort of have one eye on that. So, I'm not, I'm not sure that will happen. I'm not sure. I mean, Guardiola's the been Guardiola's team's been fantastic the last couple of seasons, but since the takeover, the biggest win was that seven 0 against Norwich, and that was under Pellegrini. Um, and you know this this team is capable of doing that to teams but mm. they don't they don't go for it you know they'll they'll get so many goals ahead and then just just ease a little bit and once or twice they've scored six um but that that was without really trying that was without Busting a goal, I think if you're going to score nine or ten, it's uh, it's always free you've, you've got always, to set out yeah. and try and do it. You know, it always sort of escalates towards the end as well. Those sort of games, you always yeah. get three or four in the last
0: ten minutes, or so which can really yeah. bolster a score. Yeah. I like, yeah. think back to Stoke at home last season, that's seven two, yes, but it didn't. Feel, there was a, there was Stoke were in the game for for about the fiftieth minute. Really. Yeah, yeah, it was two all at one point, and they were, mm. they were looking like it could get an upset, but then just escalated towards the end. But yeah. we shall say Time will tell on that one. I guess he said, like, said, it depends on what front City are still competing in how many sort of eggs they have in their baskets um, looking ahead to January as well Pep Guardiola has already indicated that there won't be much movement from a City point of view uh, do you think
2: there is any areas maybe that City should look to reinforce uh, I don't think there's any areas they desperately need to reinforce um, I think uh, you know a central midfielder someone who can share the workload with Fernandinho is probably the obvious next move for City in the market I think they'd only go for someone in that area in January if they became available at a reasonable price um, I mean the one the one benefit of the January market if you can get someone at an acceptable price is that it gives them time to bed in and I think you're seeing that with Laporte this mm. season and we were signed at the end of January last year and City was so comfortable already in the Premier League that he almost flew under the radar for the first four or five months of his City career had time to settle in knew all his teammates had a full pre-season and this year he's hit the ground running so I think that's the benefit to the January window rather than signing someone late in the summer it almost takes them a full season to settle in you know Laporte was ready to go at the start of this season and you saw the benefits of the three or four months of climatisation he's had so someone become available who could share the workload with Fernandinho play a few games towards the back end of next season and you know take the work rate off him the workload off him then I think it'd be a wise move to go for them but you know Pep's not going to sign someone just for the sake of signing someone in that position he's going to know who he wants and he's not going to pay you know, City aren't going to want to pay a January premium just for the sake of signing someone. So it's unlikely they'll go for, for anyone. But if someone becomes available at the right price, it, it would probably be a wise move to make. Yeah, I guess that's
0: yeah, been what's so refreshing about Pep in the last few transfer windows is these sort of silly transfer games that other teams try and get them involved in. They say, no, we don't want to, don't want to budge really on on their stance. It's maybe something that can hamper them in, in certain deals, but so far it's looking like a, a good policy for City to, to deploy.
1: Yeah, they're at that point now where they've got such a good squad that it's very difficult to improve on it. You know, you're looking at players who are going to cost you nine figures if you uh, if you try and prize them away from the clubs. Finding a finding a bargain is is tough. I mean, Jorginho was the one they wanted in the summer. Uh, he ended up not coming. Uh, City had been, you know, I've been hearing from City sources that if they didn't get Jorginho, they were looking at. Um, Kovacic or Lamina from, from Southampton. But the fact that once they didn't get Jorginho, they didn't go for either of those players. They just dropped the dropped the idea straight away. It sort of led, led me to think that perhaps it those names were being put out there just to let everybody know, well, we're not desperate to get Jorginho. We have got other options. But they clearly didn't have another option um, because they, they just decided, right, well, we're not going for anybody. We're just going to live with what we've got. And as Tyrone said you know if Fernandinho uh, gets tired which he he has done in recent seasons I remember his first season with City he put everything in the first half of the season and his legs completely went in the second half of the season uh, and he's been played week in week out I mean he, he'll tell you he's fitter now uh, he's fitter and stronger and he hasn't got Brazil to worry about because uh, he's not been getting picked for them um, but that is a concern. I mean, last season we saw Gundogan slot in there. Had Kevin De Bruyne could do a job there, and he's not as necessary further forward now because uh, Bernardo Silva's really, really thriving. And you could imagine that a midfield three of De Bruyne as the anchor with Bernardo and David Silva. He's quite phenomenal, really. Even though De Bruyne isn't isn't naturally a holding midfielder, he could do that job quite brilliantly, I think. Um, so it's it's not desperate as as Tyrone says, but I I think long term they've got to find someone else. You know, Fernandinho is well into his thirties now. Uh, they do need somebody who, who can who can do that. Um, What's on the market? You know, you're not going to get somebody in January for it. It's, it's a case of looking ahead and and thinking about next summer. So the other the other thing, of course, is a left back. Um, I, I still think, uh, you know, once, once Mendy comes back, they, they should be all right. But I still think City are lacking a, a proper standing left back. Fabian Delft's done a great job. We saw him make a mistake at Watford the other night. If Fabian Delft makes that mistake against Real Madrid in the semi final of the Champions League, Questions will be asked to Pep. Why didn't you have a left back? You know, apart from Benjamin Mendy, Zinchenko has come in. Zinchenko is, is looks good when he's going forward. Can't really defend. Um, Fabian Delph looks great at times, but he's not a natural left back, and I think a good right sided player will expose him. Um, so the, you know, for me, a left back is. is, is is a necessity uh, there's nobody obvious coming through the ranks no no youngster so I, I, but again you're not going to find that kind of value in, in the January market I think you perhaps risk it and get through to the summer and then start thinking about a left back but the fact that the fact that they didn't look for a left back last summer tells you that they, perhaps Pep has got a lot of faith in in, in Delph and Zinchenko
0: yeah, it's interesting there are two players that you mentioned City didn't get in the uh, summer window Jorginho and Kovacic both of them were playing for Chelsea you suspect this weekend when City travel to Stamford Bridge like you said Tyrone it's maybe the last real big away test City might face for a long time maybe before the Champions League knockout stages take any real bearings but uh, Chelsea away what do you think? They lost to Wolves midweek 2-1 So and they're now 10 points behind City. It's mm. crazy to think that they were one of the three sort of unbeaten teams beginning now. They're fourth. They're level on points of Arsenal yeah. as well who are fifth. Um, Chelsea where there's always a tough one. It took a bit of magic from Kevin De Bruyne last season to, to win the game for City and that was really maybe the turning point for City in that 100-point season. Uh, what are your thoughts ahead of the game?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously always a tough test going to Stamford Bridge. Chelsea started brilliantly under Sarri this season but... I think there's just a sense in the last few weeks that teams are kind of working out how to play against them and if you get tight to Jorginho then you really stop them playing and they have sort of stuttered recently and you know I think I think tactically I don't think City will have any problems in getting close to Jorginho and stopping him playing so that kind of puts the onus on Sarri and Chelsea and how they combat that. Um, Guardiola was effusive in his praise for Sarri last year when they played Napoli but City won both of those games and you know created a lot of chances against that team you would say he's playing a similar system now at Chelsea so I don't think there'll be any surprises in in how Chelsea set up for City Um, but it's still it's still Chelsea you know you've still got the threat of a bit of hazard magic or or something like that Um, but you'd think on current form City should be able to get something down there
0: yeah, the physical team as well. Chelsea from set pieces you've got Giroud as well, who offers that maybe something different for the city defenders to tussle with. But in Laporte and Stones as well, you've got a, a back two really there who can combat against anything. Would you Would you go with that as your
1: yeah? I would. There? I would. I thought it was interesting the other night that they brought Vincent Company in at Watford, obviously thinking Troy Deeney, bullies, yeah. centre halves. And yet, it was John John Stones more than more than Company who stood up to him. It was John Stones who was winning headers against Deeney, and was, was sort of saying, "Hold on a minute, I'm, I'm from Barnsley. I'm not going to be pushed around by by some jumped up Watford centre forward." Um, yeah, and it, and it was Vincent Company who was playing passes into the uh, into the forwards. So yeah, I mean, it, Stones is, Stones has been bullied once or twice in his City career. We've seen it. Uh, We've seen, it, you know, we've seen goals conceded yeah. because he's been knocked off the ball. We saw it at Liverpool last season, but I think he's improved in that aspect. I, I know Company's been helping him with that aspect. He's been sort of working on him, you know, in, in terms of his body shape and and that kind of thing um, when he's when he's sort of being challenged by 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 attackers. Um, so he's, he's improved immensely Laporte has got both aspects of the game anyway he's you know he he showed in Spain that he's a terrific footballing defender but he's a solid lad as well you know he doesn't get knocked off the ball easily he competes well uh, he puts his head in he puts his foot in um, so he, he's got both aspects of the game and he's adapted really well to the English, English game and so there's, there's no issue so yeah I mean Stones and Laporte um, the difficulty is what we touched on earlier when you comes to Chelsea in that uh, Fabian Delft is probably going to be up against Hazard uh, that could be an issue we talked about Delft being suspect against somebody who's good uh, City Combatted that last last year by utterly dominating Chelsea in both games. Really, yeah, that know, second game just,
0: was quite the contrast, wasn't it? Where the City, well, Chelsea, they defended Premier League tight. Well, Liverpool just stood off them and just waited for the inevitable to happen, didn't they?
1: Well, Chelsea came uh, came to the Etihad and uh, played Hazard alone up front. And he could Hazard was not happy about it, and he, his body language was terrible. He wasn't chasing anything down. He just he just looked like he he, he looked like he'd given up. And Chelsea looked like they were just sort of cons- trying to trying to contain the scoreline, so they didn't get a good thrashing. Um, I suspect they'll be different under Sari. I think they'll be a bit more proactive, and they will look to get Hazard getting at Fabian Delph, and I think that could be an issue for City. It's something they're going to have to look at. But City will try and do what they did last time: dominate possession, like you say, uh, close them down quickly, especially Jorginho and uh, and just play most of the game in the Chelsea half um, we don't know where Kevin De Bruyne is up to we know he's been back in training um, but I can't imagine that they'll throw him straight back into a Chelsea game, even though he was absolutely brilliant in that game at Stamford Bridge last season uh, he could be on the bench uh, but City have shown already this season, they can co- he might be the best player a lot of people think he is but uh, um, but City have shown they can cope without him. They can they can still beat good teams without Kevin De Bruyne. So uh if if he if he is fit and ready, he's a bonus. But um he's not desperate if they if they haven't got him.
0: Yeah, I think that's what's most remarkable about City so far this season is De Bruyne's just he's not even been involved really at all, has he? And City are still challenging right there at the top and still unbeaten still 10 points clear of Chelsea as we said um, another thing maybe from the Watford game that will go ahead into this Chelsea game Tyrona Mares, and Sane both starred against Watford mm. but maybe some fans would say that not even those two players aren't even necessarily in the best 11 maybe City have when everyone's fully fit um who do you think City should choose on the wings against Chelsea? If, I mean, there is, if there is a formula which you can sort of dissect. but
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I think the formula we've seen so far this season is that Mares plays instead of Sane against the big teams. That's the way it's been for Pep so far. It would be harsh on Sane not to play, given his form at the moment. He has been absolutely sensational recently. But the way Pep's approached it is Mares, and, and Sterling in these bigger games and... You know, having rested Sterling in midweek, you'd imagine he's going to come back in. Um, Marez didn't play against Bournemouth, so you'd think maybe he'll start these two and Sane, having started the last two, will we'll sit out. But I think, you know, the, the choices Pep has got out wide at the moment are just absolutely incredible. The three of them are in fantastic form and leaving one out and telling one of them you're only on the bench must be a really difficult decision at the moment because they are contributing. You know, all three of them are contributing mm-hmm. so much and I think Marez's arrival is you know, perhaps spurred them both on, spurred Sinai and Sterling on to, to greater heights. The numbers are, you know, as good, if not better than last season. So it's a very difficult decision in terms of who you pick. But based on what Guardiola has done in the big games so far this season, you'd think it would be Sterling and Mares probably playing out wide.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think the other factor is what we just talked about. Hazard, you know, dealing with I've Hazard. Got yeah. back, have yeah. Sane can be a liability when he crosses the halfway line into his own half. I think that's been part of his problem. With Pep, Pep wants more out of him in terms of getting back and and helping out his defender, especially if Mendy's not there. You know, you're relying on a, a standing left back, and I think that if he plays Mahrez on the right and puts Sterling on the left, Sterling is busy. You know, he will get back and he'll help. He'll help Delph out. I'm presuming it's Delph who'll play left back, but he he will get back and help nullify the threat of Hazard. As well as providing a a threat, so I I think that'll be the case. I think you will see Mares and and Sterling at Stamford Bridge, and then you've got Sane, not a bad player to have on the bench when Chelsea are getting a little bit tired after 70 minutes. You know, to chuck him on and uh, and test the legs. So uh, yeah, I I I would see that. I would. I mean, one one thing that struck me about Mares as well. He's got such a great delivery, you know, cutting it onto He's, his yeah. left foot. Mm. Note those balls, we, we saw Sane score from it. Um, and to me, that's the kind of delivery that Gabriel Jesus has thrived on in the past. He's pretty good in the air. He's not the biggest lad, but you, the number of times we've seen him score with headers from that kind of ball coming into the box. Uh, and I've sort of thought all along that Mares would suit Jesus. It hasn't really clicked over, but I think that's more doubt of the way, Je, you know, Jesus not really... Firing, yeah, yeah. Not not getting into the positions, but partly just through bad luck. But part partly not perhaps not getting his timing right, not getting his positioning right. Um But sooner or later that will come. And I, I think once once one goal goes in, Mares cross, Jesus header. I think we'll see a few of them. I think I think that could be a, a feature of Jesus's goals going forward.
0: Yeah, I think Mares as well. While we're on the, that subject, because there's a lot of credit. I think he's proving a lot of people wrong. Myself included. I was doubtful about where he'd fit in that city side, but he's, like I said, become a real key part of them especially in those big games
2: yeah he has and you know he he, he's a different kind of winger to to Sane and and Sterling and you know he can kind of slow the game down and he's he's more skillful he produced one fantastic piece of skill um near the byline on on Tuesday night and I think it was Holabas who just yeah the little roulette yeah the little roulette Holabas I think it was Holabas who fouled and he did not have a clue where Mares had gone and you know he, he, he provides kind of a different you know Sane is a very direct runner down the other flank. Mares has got a bit more invention, a bit more ingenuity to his game. So he you know, they complement each other quite well and he, he he has added a different dimension to as frightening a prospect as is, a different dimension to to City's attack and play, you know. They can they can go about hurting teams in a different way now with Mares in there and to have those those three wingers, you know, it, it's great options for for Guardiola and it gives him a bit of, you know, horses for courses in terms of having the two that probably have a, a, a perhaps not a better work rate, but a better going back towards their own goal can help when you're concerned about the opposition in these in these bigger games. So I think he's, you know, I think he's he's been worth his weight so far.
0: Yeah. So another big game on Saturday. Do you think City fans should be confident of another memorable trip to Stamford Bridge? Do you?
1: Um, City fans of my age are never confident of anything. I don't <laughs> think, even given what's happened over the last last few seasons. um I think City might drop points in this one. I think they might. I don't. I don't think they'll lose, but I think it might be a draw. Um, I think Chelsea will be stung by having lost at Wolves. You know, they got a bit of a rollicking from the manager. Uh, I, th- I think it, it's a huge game for Chelsea. Um, they're in danger of sort of losing touch. People thought that they would stay pace with the way they started the season, that they would be up there. St- Keeping pace with City and Liverpool, and they haven't done. If they don't win this one, they, uh, you know, they can pretty much kiss it goodbye. You would say. So I, I just think, given that, given the way City have been flat, given the way that Kevin De Bruyne is likely not fit to start, I think he'd, he'd be a really important player in this game. Um, I and also things like Fabian Delph up against Eden Hazard, um, I just think the city are capable of dropping points in this one. But I've said that in the past, and they've won six so, <laughs> you nil. Know.
0: There is no precise answer yeah. to that, uh, Tara. Do you echo that as well? Do you think it a tricky test for City? But if one team could beat Chelsea away, surely it's Pep Guardiola's.
2: Side. Yeah, it is. It is a tricky test. And you know, it, if we were sat here next week and, and City have drawn or even been beaten, then it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world you know there's no disgrace in losing at Chelsea or not winning at Chelsea so it is a tough test but I still fancy them to pick something up and you know there's a little bit of pressure on Chelsea now given the way they've just sort of slipped off it in the last couple of weeks and I, I just wonder if maybe Guardiola has, has almost got Sarri's number in terms of the way he plays and the way he sets his teams up as well. And I think it'll be interesting this weekend to see whether City do win that tactical battle and whether Guardiola does win that tactical battle. And if he does, because like I said, I don't think there'd be any surprises about the way Chelsea play. So, you know, if Guardiola wins that tactical battle, then I think the game's the game's there to be won for City.
0: Yeah, well, we shall see. You, you'll you be there, Stu. Are you looking forward to your trip down to
1: London? I always look forward to going to London <laughs> because that means uh, I can look forward to getting back to Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: the spirit. I'm sure the
1: fans will like that.
0: Well, thank you very much both of you for joining us today on the Talking City podcast. Please make sure to leave us a review if you would please like to and you can email us as well Richard.fay at reachplc.com or you can direct any of your messages to any of us on Twitter and we will get those rounded up for next week's podcast where we'll be back again to review the game against Chelsea and look ahead to City's game against Hoffenheim in the Champions League.